Come on, let's give the Lord that praise right now. He is so worthy of our glory and our praise and honor. Oh God, we magnify the only name that's given among men. Come on, I wish we'd praise him like we know him tonight. I wish we'd praise him like he's brought us out of darkness. Come on, can you love him for what he's done for you? Hallelujah. The psalmist said, praise him according to his excellent greatness. If God's just been okay for you, then you can give him an okay praise. If he's been good to you, then he deserves good praise. But if he's been an excellent God, then I have to praise him according to what he's done for me. So my praise will tell how good God is. Come on, somebody. How good is he to you this morning? How good is he to you this morning? I wonder on a Sunday morning if we could send an anthem up that says, God, you're good. You're worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What an awesome opportunity it is to be in his presence today. Amen. And I'm so blessed to be here. My family is blessed to be here. We pray that we can be a blessing to you. Amen. We, uh, we have been back evangelizing for about seven months. And we're loving it. We're seeing God do great things for his church. Amen. And it's a great day to be apostolic. Amen. It's a great day to be apostolic. Amen. And I'm thankful. I'm glad for my beautiful wife. She makes me look good. I have all the gray hair. She has none. My beautiful wife, Alicia. And then and Abigail. I would say she's single, but she's not ready to mingle yet. Daddy's still got, Daddy's still got a, 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 a short leash. And then there's Molly. Now, if you need to meet a superstar, this is, this is the superstar right here. Now, I'm asking you, please don't let her charge you for an autograph. We, I, I got done preaching in northern Indiana and she came up to me with $23. I said, where in the world did you get that? She said, someone asked for my autograph, so I've been selling it out there. So if Molly tries to charge you for an autograph, tell her her daddy said no. Amen. And then Jackson, this is my, this is my favorite drummer, my favorite son. He is single. I think he wants to mingle. And I'm pretty sure of it because, y'all, I'm telling you, he takes more time in the bathroom than the whole family. Just primping that hair. and It's like there's going to be girls at church. Amen. I'm thankful they're here with me. Would you give my family a hand clap as they sing and glorify God with you today?
Do you believe for it today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. What an awesome God we serve today. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your worship. If you have your Bibles today, and we say to Pastor Boskus, staff here, Bishop Wilson, thank you so much for believing in the Weir family and allowing us to be here today. Amen. We are so thankful to be here presence of an almighty God. Isaiah chapter 6 verse number 1. I'm so thankful for your worship today. You make it easy on somebody to preach when you create an atmosphere of worship. Worship's where we give to God but the word's where God gives back to us. And so it's a continual cycle. If you'll send up, he'll send down. Uzziah was typing shadow here of uh, a earthly king. The Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne and high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And his train filled the temple. The Lord will help me today for just a few moments. I want to preach to you. Get on the train. Get on the train. God, I love you. I need you today. I know that you've spoke to my heart. And God, I pray that not a word would utter from my lips that's not edifying and not ordained by you. I pray, Lord, that we would hear, God, what heaven wants us to hear today. Lord, this is not about me. This is not from me. But I pray, God, that it comes straight from you to this congregation. Help us today, God, I pray. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated today. I was, I was, uh, I won't say fortunate because it was rather nerve-wracking, but I was raised right beside a train track. And uh, we, were, we were stupid, just being honest with you. Yeah, we would go over there if that train got to slowing down and we would hop on cars and we would try to catch rides to other parts of town. And uh, we would, we'd get on the train, but sometimes we didn't get off the train. And uh, we, we got some, uh, I got some crazy stories, but I, I'm, I'm just thankful that I live to tell them. Amen. Uzziah here in the scripture was type and shadow of a worldly king. He was the representation of what one would serve and when you serve the world. And he was the king of a sinful nature. He was a fleshly king, if you will. He was the king of the flesh. He was a king of earthly decisions and earthly choices. Now Isaiah was a, a, a loyal prophet. He understood loyalty. He was committed, he had uh, faithfulness, but Isaiah was making those commitments of loyalty and faithfulness unto Uzziah. Daily, he would go to the temple. Daily, Uzziah, daily Isaiah would go there 
and then suddenly Uzziah dies. Amen. And we see just as he always walked to the temple, Isaiah goes that day, the year and the day that King Uzziah died, and he saw also the Lord sitting on the throne and lifted up. His train, the Bible says, filled the temple. You got to understand here uh, that, that and, and notice that, that you may never see the glory of the Lord in your life high and lifted up if you are torn between his kingdom and a worldly kingdom. Amen. You got to have your eyes on the right kingdom. And I, I want to talk to us for a few moments about that earthly king. I want us to hear about that fleshly king, the one that we easily serve if we're not careful. I, it amazes me how we will serve our flesh so much easier than we will serve the one that laid his life down for us. It amazes me at times how we will tie ourselves to the things of the world, but how hard it becomes to tie ourselves to the things of the church. I am astounded how hard it is that we have made it to live for God when the Bible tells me that the way of a transgressor is hard. It's not hard to live for God. You just got to have your eyes on the right kingdom. You got to have your eyes in the right place. And I am astounded how easily we walk away from the principles that have kept us this far. I'm thankful for one God, Jesus named baptism. I'm thankful for the glory of the Lord. I'm thankful for holy living. I'm thankful for the joy of God in my life. It's not a sacrifice to live for God. Hallelujah. It's a sacrifice to live in the world. If I live in the world, I gotta sacrifice my joy. I gotta sacrifice my peace. I gotta sacrifice my sanity. It's a promise to live for God. It's a blessing to live for God. You always look at living for God and all the things I have to sacrifice, you'll probably never live for God. Amen, but it's a joy to live for God. It's a joy to live for God. I pray today that we never seek a miracle bigger than what our love for God is. I pray that we never ask for a miracle that is greater than what our prayer life is. Now I want us to see something Isaiah 52 and 1. Isaiah prophesied here about the church and about the condition of the church. He said, awake, awake and put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourselves from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing, and ye shall be redeemed without money. Re uh, revealed here in Isaiah's sad and pitiful vision is a vision of what the church had become. Keep in mind that Zion is more than just ancient Israel, but it is also the redeemed of the Lord in this midnight hour. Oh, we can we, we can just put it off on it being the old church, the, 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 the church of Bible days, but I want you to understand Zion is still the church of today, and if Zion would learn how to commit her ways unto God, and if Zion would learn how to travail, thank God for babies being baptized in the waters of baptism. Thank God for altars that are troubled with people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
I'm going to tell you, Zion, we cannot become at ease. We cannot sit back and not think that there's work to be done in this last day. Zion has got to pick herself up, dust herself off, and go forth into all the world. Hallelujah. This horrible description was in, in the state of God's people. The daughter of Zion. Now watch this. She was once a pure and a beautiful woman who gave birth to many sons. She lay like a slave in the dust, abused by her circumstances and abused by the uncleanliness of the world. Her garments, who were once holy, were now torn and filthy. She howled in despair, clutching at the chain that choked around her neck. She pleaded in scripture for three things. To be set free quickly. Not to die in slavery. And not to be cut off from the spiritual food in Isaiah 51 and 18. Her enemies stood by mocking and blaspheming God. Taunting her that her God had no power to set her free from slavery. I've come to tell you we're living in a day where the brazenness of the God of this world has become so brazen and in your face with its agenda that the church better rise up and be intentionally confrontational with the spirit of this age. If we're not careful, the spirit of this age will slip into our youth groups. It'll slip into our children's phones. It'll slip into apps. We better be intentionally confrontational. What does Zion look like? I want Zion to look like that old ship of Zion. It's been through the flood and it's been through the fire, but the church has got more beauty today than it's ever had before. Jesus, we have those that have fell from the safe place. They are like this daughter of Zion. Two terrible things that come upon this young lady. No one was sorry for her. And no one would comfort her. Her own sons had fainted and lay like a wild bull, the Bible says, in a net. According to Isaiah, she was absolutely alone. She was absolutely alone with no help in sight. The enemy would like to point out reasons why we don't have to be what we once were in the kingdom of God. But I want you to understand something outside of the ark of the safety of God's family. You will feel alone and you will feel empty without comfort and without joy and without peace. There was no one to guide her among all the sons that she had born and brought forth. The Bible said that neither was there any that taketh her by the hand of all of her sons. In her hand was a cup of trembling. There she lay in disgrace, rambled in the dust by the enemy. Could you imagine this once beautiful holy woman, this once beautiful holy daughter of Zion is now looking at her sons and they're laying around like a bull in a net. They're not 
serving God. They're not living for God. They're not doing what God commissioned them to do. And then she cries out for help. And she got so far away from the church that even her sons and her family did not know how to comfort her. In her pitiful slavery, in her unsatisfied hunger, her helpless condition, she had fallen into a stupor. Her sensibilities were gone and something gripped her soul. She was so mentally confused that she could not lie, that she could only lie there rather in the dust, stunned and defenseless unless something happened. This daughter, this once child of God, this once one born of Zion was going to die in the dust of filth and sin. She was so confused. The tragedy of it all is that this poor enslaved daughter of Zion had sold herself for nothing. The Bible says that she sold herself for naught. I quit going to church because I was, I, was, I was hurt or I was offended or I saw something in the world that appealed to me, but I sold myself for nothing. I gave up joy for nothing. I gave up my peace of mind for nothing. No satanic slave trader had captured her. Nothing had carried her away, but she carried herself away with her own will. She sold herself to the world for nothing. For nothing. <laughs> I want you to hear me, and it's so chic, so cliche today, but your greatest day in the church, your worst day in the church, rather, is better than your greatest day in the world. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with the blood of the Lamb. You've been sanctified and justified. Don't go selling yourself to the things of this world. Because at the end of the day, when you sell for nothing, you still have nothing. But in the church... I still got joy in the church. Somebody might offended me, but I still got peace of mind. In the church, I might not have liked the song they sung, but I still got my family with hands raised. Hey, I didn't sell out for nothing. I sold out for streets of gold. I sold out for... Come on, I've come to tell somebody, I don't care what the world's offering you. It's not worth buying. It's not worth selling out to. It's not worth giving in to. The greatest thing going is the church. The greatest thing on this side of heaven is Zion. It's the church of the living God. As I hasten, listen to the somber words of Isaiah. You sold yourself for naught. Who is Isaiah really talking about? Who is this slave daughter who's been chained like an animal and being disgracefully treated? This captive daughter of Zion is anyone who once numbered themselves among the redeemed, yet they live in sin. Oh God, Isaiah's talking to you. Is there anybody who takes a break from their sin 
to cover the altar with tears? Is there a man or a woman who has won so many souls to Christ, but your life right now is spiritually drained? It is all who we are chained to. It is all what we are chained with. We cannot be chained by unforsaken sins. We cannot be chained to unrepented sins. We cannot be chained with our face in the dust of despair, writhing with guilt and walking around like a lost fool with the adversary of this world. I've come to tell somebody, we got to look at this vision and we got to cry out, Oh God, it's me and I got to find my way back. I'm unclean, God, but I know in your heavenly closet there's a pure robe. I know in your heavenly closet there's shoes for my feet. The prophet Isaiah tells us exactly what we got to do to be free, forsaking all others. Take up your cross and follow after him. Sold yourself for naught. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, it's not time to sell out to the world. In the name of Jesus, we need to take an honest look at what our ruling passion is this morning. We need to take an honest look. Is it still something that enslaves us? Or is it, are we set free today? Is it something that we just keep going back to time after time? A few moments of pleasure, but at what price? Sleepless nights, unbearable guilt, devastating toll on your bodies, the fear and horror of grieving uh, uh, and losing the Lord. Amen. The, the, the chilling realization that you have become hooked on something insensitive. The chill, chilling realization that you might make it back, but your children may never not make it back. You can choose whatever path you want to take. You can sell out to the world if you want to. But God chooses what it costs you. God chooses what it costs you. I might make it back, but my family might not make it back with me. Come on, I've come to tell somebody. If we've ever decided to sell out to the church and sell out to the kingdom of God, today would be a good day for you to recommit some things to the king. sold out for naught. It's a tragic reality when you realize that your sin adds nothing to your life. It's a, it, it ought to be a tragedy to you to realize that the things you're partaking in is taking from you and not giving to you. <laughs> but there's a way out. There's a way out. I wonder if somebody's ready for deliverance. I wonder if somebody said, you know what? I don't know why I came to Bethlehem Church on this first Sunday of April, but God knows why I'm here. And I believe it's for my day of deliverance. It's for my day of freedom. Come on. If somebody would admit today that I've been chained and acknowledge that I've been worthless in sin and you're ready to be delivered, then we can see a deliverance in your life that'll set you free from guilt. It'll set you free from shame. It'll set you free from depression. It'll set you free from anxiety. It'll set you free from... 
Come on, I'm telling somebody, if you'll just lift your hands, and I got more to preach, but if you'll just lift your hands and say, God... I need your help today. I don't like where I'm living. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like what I'm facing. But I surrender all. I surrender all. Isaiah 52, we can read it and we can think, well, that's a, that's a scripture, that's a prophecy of judgment. But I've come to tell you it's just the opposite. It's a prophecy of deliverance. Because watch what happens. It's a picture of deliverance. In this chapter, you have God's answer to all of our bondage and all of our besetting sins and all of our slavery. Let me just pause for a moment right here and tell you that God has divinely, there is nothing special about me. I'm just an old country boy from Indiana. I don't have any great education. Matter of fact, I feel inferior even preaching in this platform. But God divinely orchestrated this week. I was supposed to be in North Carolina preaching this week. And God divinely changed that schedule and worked it for us to be here this week. And then Wednesday night, just in case God God needed to shock us. He, within moments, canceled and, and moved a service that I could be here Wednesday night. And God has divinely ordained this weekend. It's not because of me, but God has got a divine ordained appointment. You're about to take back some things that the enemy stole from you. You're about to get some joy back in your home, some peace back in your mind, some sleep back in your life. The power of the Holy Ghost is ready to set you free. This daughter says to this backslidden daughter, or this father says to this backslidden daughter of Zion, watch this. <laughs> These loving words. He says to her, he says to her, put on your strength. Take it back. Don't just lay there in the dust. Put on your strength. Oh, Zion, put on your beautiful garments. He said, come on, put it back on. There was no rebuke. There was no condemnation. There was no retraction of his love and mercy. God never forgot her. He never abandoned her. His hurt. He just said, all I need you to do is get up. Don't worry about the fact you fail. The righteous fall seven times. But to get back up, I just need you to get up. Don't stay where you fail. Don't stay where you hurt. Don't stay where you were hindered. Get up. Get up. Get up. Put your clothes back on. It's time for revival. She said, oh God, the Lord has forsaken me, she said. Mm, watch this. God said, can a man or can a woman forsake her suckling child? It should not have compassion on the son 
of the womb? He said, they might. He said, yay, they may forget. But he said, I will not forget you. He said, a nursing mother would forget her newborn before I forget one of mine that has fallen out of the ark of Satan. Just in case you're wondering if God still loves you, he's never took his eye off of you. He's never took his protection off of you. He's never lifted his mercy off of you. You made it back to this house today because he still had his eye on you. We have a God. His word is contrary to the words of hell. We are given a profound and glorious promise. I will not forget thee. He said, thy walls are continually before me. That word walls here literally means to be joined to a wall. Do you understand what that says? God is saying that I am joined in your infirmity. He said, your walls are always with me. And so he's saying, no matter what you're going through right now, I'm joined to it. My family's about to fall apart, but the reason why it hasn't yet is because God's joined to you. The reason why your kids haven't been snuffed out of here yet is because God's joined to them. The reason why your marriage has made it this far is because God's joined to it. Uh, Now watch this. The Bible says, but when the people of the land shall come in before the Lord in the solemn feast, he to the earth by the way of the north gate and worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And he that entereth by way of the south gate shall go forth by way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. What scripture is saying here is daughter of Zion, when you pick yourself up out of the dust and you stand back up and you come back to the house of God, don't go home the same way you came. If you came in depressed, go home with joy. If you came in sick, go home with healing. If you came in broke, go home blessed. Whatever you do, don't go home the same way you came. Don't let a service go by where you can come in and worship and leave here still addicted and leave here still oppressed and still connected to the things of your past. Make up in your mind, when I worship, God makes a difference. Whatever you do, don't go home the same way you came. Now, we had a little scolding today about driving your cars too fast around here. But I want to talk to you for just a moment as I hasten to a close. There's such significance in Isaiah's prophecy and his prophetic word here. Because Isaiah knew what it was to serve an earthly king. 
And when that fleshly king died, for the first time, the Bible says, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Suddenly, when he got the world out of his view, he could see the Lord high and lifted up. Oh, God. But it went on and said a little more. I was enthralled as I studied on this. And I read on about this, seeing about the Lord. But what caught my attention is when Isaiah said, and his train filled the temple. You gotta remember, I was raised by a railroad track. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how we're gonna get a locomotive in the church. I was, I was a little kid, and they start singing, I see the Lord. I see the Lord. I just went, choo choo. <laughs> I lifted up, and this train fills the temple. I'm thinking about jumping cars, you know. <laughs> but the Lord took me somewhere in this. His train. Filled the temple. Remember, we're getting on the train today. In the year that King Uzziah died, it was about 740 B.C. In the chronological notes, whether the event happened before or after the king's death is not fully determined. It lends an additional interest, the commentary says from the Cambridge Bible, and it lends an additional interest to the vision if we adopt the latter view that this happened after Uzziah died and regard this as the divine answer to an anxious foreboding thoughts which naturally arose in the subsequent mind at the death of a strong and successful ruler the earthly king has passed away and now Isaiah sees the true king in all of his glory he said I saw also the Lord many co uh, coincide here and they read the Jehovah I saw also Jehovah but the name in the received text is Adonai the sovereign the word also answers to nothing in the original the word high and lofty applies to the throne not to Jehovah himself his train fills the temple this applies to the skirts of his vesture fill the entire space oh and on these alone, not on the person of Jehovah, Isaiah allows his eyes to rest. His train fills the temple. Jehovah appears to the prophet in human form. And as a king seated on the throne, surrounded by ministering servants, the angels cry, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord it was, a, it was a scene in the temple where Isaiah probably was when this vision occurred oh there is no occasion to suppose that a heavenly palace is meant. What the prophet sees is the spiritual reality of which the temple was a symbol. Jehovah's presence as the king in the midst of his people. Now watch this. Have you ever been defeated from a long journey or battle? Been through a circumstance? Isaiah's now been through a long battle serving the wrong king and he's somewhat defeated and he goes into the temple and and in the year that his king died, he saw the Lord exalted, sitting on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, I want to tell you, the imagery of this is taken from a practice of earthly kings. The great monarchs of Egypt and Assyria owned elaborate thrones. Their thrones were among the greatest. These great monarchs commonly wore flowing robes. And it told how powerful the king was by how flowing their robe was. 
If they had a long robe, it showed that they had power. And as a king defeated the camp of another king, he would cut off the end of the defeated king's garment and he would sew it to the end of his train. And so the length of his train determined the amount of his victories. I said, however long the train of the king was, told us how much power he had and how much. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, but his victories filled the temple. Everywhere I looked, I saw healing. Everywhere I looked, I saw deliverance. Everywhere I looked, I saw provision. Everywhere I looked, I saw miracles. His train filled the temple. Say, preacher. You come down here from Indiana, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't care what you're going through. I'm telling you, it's already on the train. I don't care what you're facing. It's already on the train. Somebody ought to get on the train. We have the temple of God. Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? We all have battles. But if we remember where our victory is, if we remember where our joy comes from, our job is to trust in him. Don't hold on to the battle. He's already won the battle. His train fills the temple. prophesy to somebody today I'm not the prophet or a son of a prophet but I've come to prophesy to somebody today you walked into this place with depression you came by way of lust you came by way of severe anxiety and panic a wounded spirit you're hurt from something in the past discouraged, you have addictions you have fear, confusion all of these things has wrapped your mind you live in a rebellious place and your heart, your spirit, your mind is broken. But I've got to tell you, it don't matter how you came today. It matters how you go home. Go home. Go home on the train. If you came with brokenness, go home healed on the train. <laughs> Say, well, I don't know if he can do this. I've come to tell you, you can't even see all of his train. It filled the house. That meant there was not an empty spot. There was no place of, of air pockets. His train filled the temple. Oh, God, help us today. I feel the glory of the Lord. Come on and hear me today. It's a new season about to spring forth in your life. Would you stand with me today? You need to make up in your mind, I came in by way of the north gate of depression, and I'm going home by way of the south gate of victory. I come in with lust, but I'm going home with victory. I come in wounded, but I'm going home with victory. Sister Weir and I and our family went through one of the darkest things we've ever walked through this past year. 
one of the darkest things I'd ever walked through. And I was ready to quit. I, was re- I didn't care if I ever went to church again. I was ready to quit. I got an inbox from a pastor's wife who I didn't even know. She said, Brother Weir, I, I, you don't know me and I don't know you. But she said, I, I don't really know one detail of what you're going through. She said, but I woke up and the Lord told me to contact you and share our testimony with you from 45 years ago. She began to tell me their testimony. And I'm telling you, the only thing that was different from her testimony and what we was going through at that current time was faces and names. Because every detail was in line with what we were going through. And she said, I don't claim to be anything I'm not. And you don't have to receive this, Brother Weir. She said, but I've just come to tell you, God's already got your victory. It's in the train. (laughs) And instead of quitting, instead of giving up, here we are. Here we are evangelizing this country trying to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed and they're preparing to sing and I'm getting ready to turn this to your great pastor. I wonder who's here today that some of you have, but I wonder who's here today still that would step out of your pew and walk to this altar and say, I came today to get on the train. I'm going home with victory. Because I'm telling you right now, the greatest thing going is Zion. The greatest thing going is the church. Come on, as they come and they're preparing to sing, would you come today? Would you just step out of your seat and say, I don't, I maybe didn't plan on this today, but I'm going home on the train. Church, if you don't need it today, would you find someone that has walked up here? Wrap your arms around them and just let them know Zion is not here to condemn you. We're not here to judge you. We're just telling you, stand up, dust yourself off. And let's go forward. God in Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me. Defender behind me. See how I feel. Forget those things that are behind you. Forget the wounds. Forget the words that someone spoke to you. Forget the hurt. And you'll press toward the mark. Press toward. Press for it. Come on, if you're laying in the dust of despair today, if you'll lift your hands, God wants to fill you with joy right now. God wants to give you back everything the enemy's stolen from you right now.
our hands all over this place while they finish this course. over and pray for somebody close to you and ask the Lord to be with them and to bless them and to help them. Amen. We've heard a powerful word from God today. God is not wanting to punish. God's not wanting to chastise. God's not wanting to make you pay for it. God's arms are open wide saying, come home, daughter of Zion. Get on the train. Oh, come on, this is your moment. For some, it's just, it's just a simple matter of a made-up mind. But I'm going back. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. feel revival in the air. Amen. How many feel revival in the air? Man, I feel, I feel like it. Amen. I'm looking forward to tonight. Tonight's going to be awesome. If you believe that, why don't you give God a praise for tonight's service? It's going to be fantastic. Oh, yes. Amen. Remember, be free, 5 o'clock, S&P Wilson Center. Prayer meeting, what time does prayer start? Six o'clock. If you're not in practice, you can come early if you like. Church at 6.30. Amen. God's getting ready to pour the Holy Ghost out in a powerful way around here. Amen. Shake hands and be friendly. You're welcome to pray as long as you like.